Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John 5 is where we left off last week. The book of Isaiah talks about the way to study the Bible. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Now, is it possible to get off theologically by going line upon line? Yes, it is. That's where you take a verse and you build a whole theology upon it. That can be a dangerous thing. And so when we look at the entirety of the Bible, it's going to help all of us not get off. The precept is looking at all the verses that pertain to the particular topic that you're looking at. In other words, somebody will come to your door and they will show you all the verses where Jesus was a man. So they try to bring you to the conclusion that Jesus was just a man, cleverly leaving out all the verses that speak of his deity. Well, as we left off last week, we remember Jesus healed a man by the pool at Bethesda, the five porches. And we remember he healed him on the Sabbath day. This outraged the religious leaders of the day. For the man was commanded by Jesus to rise, take up your bed, and walk. And so we rolled his little bed up that he would lay there by this pool, waiting for the angels to stir the water. The first one in the water got healed, and he laid there for decades unhealed. So Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He rolls up his bed and he takes it. Immediately, the religious leaders of the day saw him carrying a bed on the Sabbath. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament, Exodus 31, that was a crime punishable by death to work on the Sabbath. And so when they found out that Jesus had done it, they came accusing him. And so this is where we'll pick up the story in verse 17 of John 5. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we study your word, we ask you now that you would give us wisdom that comes from your words. And so we ask you now that as we study together, may your Holy Spirit bless and may we remember these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Jesus answered them, speaking of the religious leaders. My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Well, that's the way it reads in the English. But in the Greek, it actually speaks of that they were actually of the same heart, same nature, same purpose. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, not only because he broke the Sabbath by healing the man on the Sabbath and also telling somebody else to carry their bed on the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Wow, that's really incredible that Jesus made himself equal with God. Now notice verse 19, some new ground. Then, the, then Jesus answered and said unto them, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. By the way, friends, I think that's really wise. If you can't see the Father doing it, don't do it. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. You know, it's really amazing to me that God just doesn't stop at one level. He wants to do greater things in all of our lives. Why? Because when you see the hand and the power of God working in our lives, it increases our faith. And again, people have asked the question, why was God such a God of miracles in the Old Testament and even in the New, and we don't see a lot of miracles today? Well, it's a pretty simple answer. Most people don't live close enough to the edge to see or need the power of God. So when God calls you out in faith to do something pretty radical, just remember this. It's so God can show you greater works. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Have you asked God for life today? You need it. In fact, this past week, we had a memorial service for Frank Pamplona, uh, uh, Dustin's father, and and we, you know, our heart goes out to the family. And I began as I was there at the memorial service, and I was looking at everybody, and some people come up to the casket, and they were they were weeping bitterly. And I I couldn't help but think about going back in the Bible where Jesus showed up at Lazarus' funeral, and there in Lazarus' funeral in John we find that Jesus utters the shortest verse in the Bible. It says that Jesus wept. Now, was he crying because Lazarus had died? Oh, poor Lazarus, I really miss him. No, Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead in a few minutes. What was Jesus crying about? I believe he was weeping over the whole death thing. It has haunted man since the beginning. And only Jesus Christ has the solution for that. No other religion of the world offers the assurance of salvation. If you ask a person today, if you die today, would you go to heaven? They'll restore usually, well, I've done the best I can. Well, that sounds good, but what's the problem? What if going to heaven was based upon works, and how would you know then if you did enough good things? This would be a problem. You would never really know if you were going to heaven or not. But when Jesus said, I give life, as we just read here in verse 21, it is not based upon my performance. It's based upon God's grace towards us, that he gives life to whom he wills. The Father judges no one, verse 22, but has committed all judgment to the Son. It's interesting that all things were made by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, and without him, not anything that's made was made. Now we find that all the judgment is going to be committed to Jesus Christ. On that day that you and me will stand before God, The Father will be there, but he will defer to the Son concerning judgment. Now the judgment is that of which, why should I let you into my kingdom? 
if we retort, I have done the best I can, the danger with that is that we are trying to enter heaven through our own performance. What makes the difference in a true Christian's life is that we go to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. In fact, Paul says we are clothed in his righteousness. We, we wrap our, uh, his righteousness around it. That's what makes us holy. That's good news. Verse 23, that all should honor the Son as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now, in a quick reading of this, we would, could breeze over this. But you, if you stop to think, the cults of the world do not honor the Son. Let's go back one verse. For the Father raises the dead. Excuse me. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all things to the Son. In Islam, Allah has no sons. So they don't honor the Son. Mormons believe that Satan and Jesus are brothers. Go ask a bishop, they'll tell you this. They don't honor the Son. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was nothing more than Michael the archangel. They don't honor the Son. Mideastern religions believe God had many sons. He was just one of many. They don't honor the Son. But notice it says, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Wow. If you like to underline things in your Bible, that's a good one to underline. Why is that? If you believe in him, you have everlasting life, not performance-based. Do you get the difference? Religions of the world say if you get out there and you do enough good things, if you help, help enough blind dogs across the street, if you wax enough cats, if you sell flowers in airports, if you wear blue, wear pink, wear orange, or you eat only organically grown foods, you will make it. It's a gift. God gives life to you. It isn't earned. If it was earned, it would be wages. You know, on Friday at closing time, the boss comes up and gives you the check and says, well, here you go. I've got a gift for you. It's not a gift. I earned that. Give me that check. But at Christmas time, and you know your children have been perfect all year, you give them presents. Why? Because they've been good little boys and good little girls. <laughs> Christmas Eve, the night before, will tell you that they haven't been good little boys and good little girls. I don't want to go to bed. I want to see if Santa Claus comes. And, uh, you, you know. No, you give them gifts because you love them. The gift of eternal life is so amazing. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. When somebody comes to my door and they're trying to talk me into their club, I ask them the question, what can you possibly offer me? 
when Jesus Christ has already given me everything I need. Now, he says, because God gives us this great gift, most assuredly I say to you, he that hears my word believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. You won't come into judgment. Yeah, but what about it says up further in the, in, in the epistles where it says that the Christians will stand in the judgment seat. That's a judgment in your favor. That's not determining whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. That's rewarding you. The Bible says the wood, the hay, the stubble, it all gets burned up. But the things we did for the right motive, the Bible says even a cup of cold water in his name bears a reward. But the stuff that was done to be seen of men, or the things that were done with false motives, those won't carry a reward. That's why I believe the Bible says to know thyself. Well, sometimes if we look inward, we go, yuck. But when we look, what it's saying there is understand the reason why we do what we're doing. So, you pass from death unto life. Friends, that's immediate tense. That is not will have everlasting life. You do have everlasting life. Has passed from death unto life. Now when you understand this, this is important to understand why to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. You already have life. It isn't that you go lay in a grave, you know, for, you know, maybe a year, two, five, ten, twenty, a thousand years, waiting for resurrection day. Paul says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Why and how could Paul say that? Because eternal life is immediately granted to you. It's yours now. So when you move out of this shell, you're still going. You just moved. And that's great, great news. So there's no such thing as soul sleeping, some religions teach. Jesus said in verse 25, Truly, truly, most assuredly, hey man, listen, is what he's saying here. I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Now this goes up to Ephesians 4, 8 through 10, where Jesus went and preached to those in captivity, all those who died in faith in the Old Testament. King David, Samuel, Elisha, all those. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind like a fiery chariot. But Elisha, his, his, uh, the one that came after him, they all died in faith. But the blood of bulls and goats could never remove the sin. It could cover it, but it couldn't remove it. Jesus' blood removed it. That's why we have this. Now, some people wrongly misinterpret this verse. The cults do. And they interpret it like this. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Oh, there's a second chance for those who die. No, there's no second chance. In fact, when we go to the book of Hebrews, it tells us after this life, the judgment. There is no second chance, reincarnated episode, any of those kinds of things. Well, what is he talking about then? Context in the Bible is everything. Let's look at this. 
For those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment because of his Son, because he's the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. So again, this is going back to this verse here that's misinterpreted. And here it is. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the condemnation. Now, it doesn't say that there's a second chance. It says that there will be this when the gospel is preached to them, as we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, that Jesus preached to those in captivity. People say, where did Jesus go when he died? (laughs) Hawaii. No, he didn't go to Hawaii. He went, the Bible says, and preached to those in Abraham's bosom. Dead and paid in full. Now you can go right and be with the Lord. So he says, I can do, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. By the way, that's a great part of a righteous judgment. Jesus said, don't judge after the appearance of anything, but when you judge, judge a righteous judgment. What do you hear from the people or person in question? Go to them personally and ask them. Don't go by hearsay. Don't go by gossip. Go and ask them, what is it? As I see Jesus, as he says, he says, as I, uh, I hear, I judge. Now, he tells us, I can of myself do nothing. Again, always remember that. It's because God fires us up to do what we do. He's the motivator in us. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. That's always good to be about our daddy's business, and that's what Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is being done in heaven. Unfortunately, it's not being done here on this earth very much anymore, and so we, we, we yield ourselves to that. Verse 31, it says, If I bear witness of myself... My witness is not true. Now this goes back to the Old Testament in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. And of course we have the word of John the Baptist. We have really the Holy Spirit when Jesus began his earthly ministry. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We have the word of God with over 300 um, direct Uh, verses speaking of who Jesus Christ is and what he'll do when he comes. There is another who bears witness of me. I know the witness of which he witnessed of me is true. You have sent to John, and he's borne witness of the truth. Yet you do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things, that you might be saved. He was the burning and the shining lamp. And you are willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. 
for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works which I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. When Jesus rose that guy, that lame dude by the pool, that caused a ruckus through the city. He did it on the Sabbath. And as we go back, we remember, as it says, and these are always important. Let's go back to verse 1. After this, there was a feast in Jeru- of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in this area lay a great multitude of sick people. Okay, you say, so what? Jesus heals the lame guy during one of the high feasts so everybody sees it. Maximum potential. I like that about God. You know, God is a maximizer. You ever go to some of these fast food restaurants? Would you like that maximized? Oh yeah, just dump the whole thing right here in my lap. Do you want us to supersize that for you? No, thank you very much. I'm already supersized. Well, the point is, God does that. God's timing is perfect. And oftentimes we get impatient with God. God, why? I prayed you didn't do this. God waits for them. He's the maximizer. He waits till the greatest crowd is around to heal the, lion, the lame man and tell him to rise, take up his bed and walk. And it was on one of the high holy days. Wow. In other words, he was deliberately doing this for the glory of the Father. I I like that about God. He wants to do the most He can with you in your life. But there's a secret ingredient. It requires your willingness and patience to let Him do that. I get impatient with God sometimes. I ask God, why? By the way, they tell me, I'm waiting, The kids go through the why age. Why? Why? Well, look, the sun's come up. Why? You know, look, the grass grow. Why? And from what parents have told me, it will drive you crazy. That's probably what's wrong with most of the parents today. I have that problem as well. Sometimes I go, God, why? Now, God's gracious. He loves me. And sometimes he tells me, and sometimes he just doesn't. Sometimes God just says, okay, you wait on me, and I'll do that. He does it for the maximum. Maximum impact. You know, we're only here for a short time. You know, I was out at the um, cemetery in Wendell. And I was walking over and looking at some of the graves. I've shared this before, but you have the birth date, you have the death date, and that little line in between those two numbers is your life. That's all, that much. Birth date, death date, line. And I thought about that and I go, I wonder how many fears and tears and alarms in an individual life make up that little line. And you think about that for a minute. He's got it under control. God's a maximizer. And so if he's doing things in your life you don't understand, and you say, well, God, 
you know, if you really love me, you would not have let this happen. And in fact, that's one of the things that was said. At that great memorial service, that great funeral service of Lazarus, Mary comes up to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he'll live again. I'm the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He that believes in me will never die. And then he asked a question to Mary. Do you believe this? That's a question that God asks us. Do you believe this? Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.